When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's a slam dunk. Dunk. Check, check. One, two. Yeah, I'm good. Ready. <clears throat> Recording? Nice one, It is Wednesday, which means it's time for a post-Champions League semi-final front three podcast with me, Adam Bowen, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Mm-hmm. And of course, who else but Dave mm. O'Brien? Hello. Adam, I didn't ask you before. What did you have for dinner? Um, I actually made myself some quesadillas, which were pretty Ooh. banging, I've got to say. This Cultural appropriation is- at its finest. Hmm. <laughs> That's one way of putting it, I guess. Um, the Champions League semi-finals, guys. The first legs are over. Mm-hmm. Tonight's game, Atletico Madrid versus Bayern Munich, ending 1-0 to Diego Simeone's side. A much more entertaining game, Dave. More shots in the opening 15 minutes of this game than the entirety of Man City versus Real Madrid. That is why you're on the podcast, Adam, for your stat bangers yeah. like that. That is exactly right. Um, it was a better game, I think. Um, I think the... the the quality was a lot better. Obviously, there's a lot of technical midfielders in there. But what Atletico did so well was, again, press for the first sort of 30, 35 minutes and then just sit, nick a goal and sit. That goal, though, was a bit of individual brilliance. You know, who knew, who knew Sol could take on three players and curl the ball into the far corner? Because I personally didn't. I thought it was a structural, um, you know, worker of a... Of a central midfielder and he showed that after his um, after his goal that he sat in there and he just did a cracking defensive job along with Koke I absolutely love Koke he's just a, he's one of those players that you need in your team a fighter mm. but then also so good on the ball good at you know brilliant delivery from set pieces a wonderful signing if anyone decides to go in for him in in the summer but it was a great performance you know that what sort of highlighted the collective of Atletico Madrid was that Antoine Griezmann made seven interceptions in the game. That was three more than any other player on the pitch. And he was playing as a striker. But the amount of times that you saw him tracking back in his own penalty area, making tackles, or I think in the first half he had a little, um, I think Kingsley Coman got into the box and he had a little tap at him. Give him a little hand on his back, which obviously put Kingsley Coman off. It wasn't a foul or anything, but just that like sort of gamesmanship that Simeone's really driven into that side. And I think mm. this team right now is better than the team that got to the Champions League semi-final. Sorry, yeah. final. Final, wow. the big one. Uh, of course, Dave mentions it there. Saul's good was so good. What a goal was trending on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> the first half and most of the second. Um, but Dave says it there, Lawrence. This Atletico Madrid team uh, may well be better than the team that reached the final in I was, 2013. I, was, I mean, so, I was saying uh, to the guys I was watching with, if Real Madrid and Atletico make it to the final, this will not only be a better final, but also a completely different final. 
to the final that we saw just a few years ago. Um, mm. Not only because it, that's literal, it is a different final, but also because tactically it's going to play out so differently and it'll be fascinating to see how Atletico deal with Real Madrid and how Atletico um, uh, sort of dealt with by Real Madrid. Do you think, um, do you think it will be an Atletico Real Madrid final? You're talking almost as if it's happening. We're only halfway through. No, I'm saying, I'm saying I hope it would be um, if that was the case. Okay. Um, I, what I really enjoyed tonight was obviously the way that Griezmann uh, was sort of leading the line with Torres alongside him. It was lovely. I mean, that counter-attack when they were under the most pressure in the game to go down the other end and watch Torres cut in like classic Torres and then so get the ball close. so close with the outside of his boot. It was beautiful. Um, you know, it, this was... I, I think this was a pretty classic game, actually. And I really enjoyed it. You know, Pep was trying to change things and uh, skew things around. And, you know, he they changed their point of attack so many times. Uh, you know, it started going through Alonso. Then it started going sort of into the almost Barcelona-esque balls in behind... It was really fascinating to watch. And then the sort of desperate way that Atletico were defending at one point was just fantastic. Especially, I think tonight, I actually think the goalkeeper had a very solid performance, as did Mark Klattenberg. Um, Dave, Lawrence is talking there about uh, Bayern Munich changed in point of attack. I mean, tactically, how do you think Guardiola got this one? Because there was a lot made of the fact that he dropped Muller from the starting eleven, And in fact, his, his away record in these knockout stages isn't great. Seven defeats, ten draws and four wins. And he's only actually won one of his last 11, in fact. The really weird point about this Bayern team is that it's sort of exactly the same style as what he, what he you know, he came to Bayern, a very good counter-attacking physical side. What he's built, it kind of feels still like a counter-attacking side that would really do well breaking on teams. It's got a lot of pace down the flanks and it's got two players that we spoke about before. They've got the best movement and aerial ability in the world in Lewandowski and Thomas Muller. Lewandowski was so good at um, Dortmund because they got the ball to him. He looks like a... A player that's plays on the peripheral now, sorry, that, that just plays waiting in the penalty area. It looks a little bit like a Louis van Gaal striker that waits all day for the ball. will get one chance in a game, and if they don't score, it will look like they've had a bad game. But if they do score, it will look like they've had a good game. But it, he's, he really got it wrong again. Last season in the semi-final, um, he, the first leg he lost again, um, and then he, the second leg he went out tactically playing a four-two, uh, like a four-two-four or a four-four-two in a way, which he might have to do again. But then he got massively outnumbered in midfield. What would have suited this um, game today was potentially playing a little bit count, like playing Atletico into into a, a position that they don't like, which is having the ball and then breaking on them. Like, you could sit deep with Alonso, with Vidal in midfield, the two wingers exactly the same, Komen and um, Costa, and then just leave uh, Lewandowski and Muller up front. Those two could do a fantastic pressing job. Those two tactically could defend an area, but I think that's the issue with Pep Guardiola. He's become so obsessed with possession. He's forgotten Mm. the other parts of the game of football, which is defending, which is counter-attacking. I I actually feel like Guardiola's um, gotten away from the possession obsession that he had just a few years ago. I don't think it's. I think it's. It's a different. If it's a different obsession, he doesn't have someone of Lionel Messi's quality in the middle, and I feel he's struggling to get the ball central. I think the big thing with playing the setup he played today, yeah, it looked like it, it could work, but there was no there was no link between the centre midfielders and um, Lewandowski or Lewandowski yeah, no, and the absolutely. wingers. Yeah, yeah. It was very like two sided, where it go into central, it go Alonso, then to one of the centre mids, and then it come back out. Um, and then sort of they'd have a two they'd have a two on two on the flank or even Atletico would get a two v one 
defensively. What Guardiola's tried to do this season with the fullbacks coming inside is isolate uh, fullbacks one on one. But with the Atletico Madrid team, they're not going to leave a fullback alone. They're always going to have either a central midfielder there or more likely one of the, the left midfielder or right midfielder covering them. Yeah. And that's what we saw countless times. The ball goes to one of the wingers and it'd be a 2v1 and a Fletco's favour. They'd nick the ball and counter-attack. But I feel like that's you know, the goal, goal sort of came, came like that. It came in that know. sort of situation oh, where absolutely. it broke down. But I don't know if that's down to uh, his tactic more as the way that Simeone played him. And I actually feel that's the problem with Guardiola is when he's found out sometimes he has a really good tactical way around it and I actually think that Simeone second guessed him a number of times tonight and worked that out really well Hmm. who is your favourite to go through then Dave because obviously a 1-0 lead in the first leg I'd like to say we're at home going to the Allianz Arena Bayern did have chances in the second half of course David Alaba hit the bar it's difficult to see who is potentially the favourite going into that second leg despite how well Atletico suffocated Bayern Munich I think the big the big thing is press them from the start, like mm. really go at them, really go at them again in the first half an hour. Juventus did that brilliantly and got back into the game two 0 up. The tie was square again. That's what Bayern, that's what Atletico Madrid need to do. They need to go at them, they need to make them uncomfortable. They need to not let them settle, not let them play out the back and get nervous. That's what they need to do. They need to really be aggressive again. I thought that um, Augusto Fernandez in central midfield had a really good game covering the other sort of central midfielders pressing but then again the two wide players were great Coke and Saul we spoke about but Gabri what a player he is you know I feel like Atletico Madrid are really sort of this academy is really starting to produce top class central midfielders if we think about who's come through um, in the last few years we've got Gabri who I just mentioned there who is a wonderful player uh, can press can tackle can play the ball then you've got Koke, the next one, who's almost um, a better level than Gabby, that's technically so fantastic, got a great eye for a pass. And then you've got um, Saul coming through now, who it looks like a very, very technically gifted footballer, but can flame him work. And then there's the, the, the next generation, Oliver Torres, who pretty much is the new Chavi in a way. That's what he's like. So it's really interesting that in this next generation, Generation, they could pretty much have a Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta in Coke, Saul, and a lot of the Torres. And that is credit to Atletico Madrid and credit to their investment in their youth players. Mm. Do you think Atletico Madrid are going to go through Lawrence then if they do indeed press from the start and sort of capitalise on this lead they've already built up? Well, especially if they do score early on, then they get that away goal, which is, you know, that's what you're looking to do is basically shut down the opposition, not give them an away goal, and then give yourself the best chance going uh, away to the Allianz. I mean, we saw a, didn't we see a similar situation a few years ago with Real Madrid visiting uh, Bayern? And that one got completely shut down. So, you know, I, I, there's obviously the ability in, in both sides to be able to win this one. I think if uh, Atletico score early, it's beyond uh, Bayern to yeah. get back, them, back at them then. A lot of people's favourites to, to win the whole thing. Atletico Madrid this season um, certainly judging by a poll we did on the Football Puppy last week uh, they were certainly uh, way out in front the question is who they're going to meet in that final if they do indeed go through Dave Manchester City versus Real Madrid last night we were covering it live for TFR not the most thrilling game uh, the biggest news pre-match mean? was of course Ronaldo <laughs> getting ruled out uh, what did you make of the change of tactics going into the game it was um, who replaced him it was Lucas Vasquez, it was, a, it was an interesting one. Vasquez, um, whenever I've seen him, the, seen him, is more of a, a right winger, mm. um, and he was playing more on the left than on the right, which for me was a, made him a little bit not redundant, but it made him a lot less um, effective on that right hand, on that left hand side. Sorry, you know, he's a, for me, he's a classic right winger that's always going to try and go on the outside of an opponent. 
Um, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a mistake, I'd say, from Zidane. He should have stuck Bale to the to the left, stuck uh, Vasquez on the on the right, and then you know tried to play through that middle. But I think what we found out with Manchester City is uh, they've they've turned into a pretty defend pretty decent defensive side. Their shape was really good yesterday through most of the game. When Kevin De Bruyne was playing off Aguero, there were some moments where they got in behind the fullbacks. They looked like they can create some chances. Pepe obviously got a pretty silly yellow card from a tackle on De Bruyne when they break it. But then Pellegrini really killed the game in a way when he brought Inanacho on and uh, moved De Bruyne out left. It was a very silly mistake, really, in my eyes. It kind of, it just took the momentum that City had on the counter-attack and just threw it in the bin. And City, and, and then Pepe and, and uh, Ramos were so were more comfortable playing up against two components and not, uh, components, sorry, opponents and not having to deal with one of them dropping. And it just sort of, you know, the whole tie died. Zidane didn't make any changes that influenced the game. Pellegrini fell asleep. Um, and it was just rubbish. And it's complete opposite to tonight, where one manager really dominated um, in Diego Simeone, and uh, his substitutions were good. And again, Pep's were questioned. But it's it's interesting to see. And I do think, I kind of got a feeling that City are going to go through it. Really do. I don't know why. Really? And I hope Atletico give them a spanking in the final. That'll be brilliant. I think they probably <laughs> would. That's the issue, is that actually that's why I don't want um, uh, City to go through, because I feel like if Atletico do go through, there's a there is a real beating waiting there. Yeah, you don't feel. I don't feel like Pellegrini would be able to combat what Diego Simeone's got his side doing so well. I don't even um, know if it's Pellegrini. I, I actually just think it's Man City. The actual team would struggle to counter with that intensity. They certainly struggled last night to create any sort of chances. As did Real Madrid, who who without Ronaldo were lacking a certain spark. But it's it's the first game for Sergio Aguero. I think in five Champions League games where we've had a, where he's had a shot on target. He only managed one in the end. He was starved of service, to be fair, and, and David Silva going off certainly didn't help. But they, they struggled to create last night, Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, certainly so. Um, I think that was, that was part of it, was that when their system didn't work, then they did struggle to create anything that looked like a meaningful chance. However, I think... Uh, it's not just about chances created or sort of goals scored. There's, there's more to the game than that. And I think for that reason, they won't be upset. Um, you know basically they mitigated what the other team was doing and that was the main aim for the first leg was feel out the other side um, and basically give yourself a chance in the second and that's exactly what they've done that's why they're in the positive position that they are Mm. Ronaldo could miss the second leg Dave uh, David Silva also looks like he's going to be out which team do you think is going to miss their their sort of key player more Um, I'd say Ronaldo was the bigger miss Mm. Um, I think uh, this season in Champions League he's really looked Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> poor poor oh, little excused. Guy. Poor Dave. Excused. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, he's really shown he uh, quality in the Champions League, especially uh, in that second game against Wolfsburg, that hat-trick that won them the game. It showed real determination. Like, he kind of wants it again. He looks hungry. What music Sorry, do you think Ronaldo is playing? get a quick drink. Go and get a drink, Dave. <laughs> what music do you think Ronaldo is playing? Um, I'm not sure what music he was playing. He was, he was certainly looking at Gary Lineker's Instagram account. Uh, which had the news of Ronaldo's injury on it, which was interesting to see in that he, photograph. He was looking at... I thought he was looking at his own account. No, it was Gary Lineker's, it turns out. His Instagram account. Really? Which is a bit of an ego boost for, for Gary, of course. Really? Was it really his Instagram account? Honestly, honestly. I, I swear. <laughs> Unless someone is going around photoshopping Gary Lineker's Instagram account on yeah, Gary Ronaldo's Lineker. phone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Photoshop skills. I assume. Um, no, it, that was where the news first broke apparently of the injury, or one of the first places. Um, Gary Lineker posted up a little video on Instagram. 
It was Gary so Lineker. Ronaldo <laughs> was obviously checking out on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Am I injured? I don't know. I'll wait for Gary yes, Lineker to Gary Lineker says so. But yeah, he, he could be out, which is going to be a blow. I mean, who do you think is, is going to go through, Lawrence? I think Dave's already said he thinks City's going to go through. We're not sure if we want to see that, but what, what do you reckon? I think it'll be an All Madrid final. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. I think Gareth um, Bale was un, unre, unre, uh, unrelenting. In the first lap. Oh, yeah. I'm relenting. like it. And the oh, other words. European game this week, or big European game for us, Huge. is of course Liverpool Villarreal. Don't know what you mean. Versus the Yellow Submarine. Good. It, it's the Yellow Submarine <laughs> Derby, isn't it? Is what they're calling it. Yeah. Yes, I like that. Um, wow, you're feeling going into this one, Lawrence? Confident after last round's heroics. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool are obviously going to go into this one with a certain level of confidence. They feel like they've played their second, not a second string, but certainly a, um, a side that would be considered to not be the starting eleven. They're going to play against Villarreal on the weekend. Um, Klopp manages, managed to spin that one quite nicely. It was sort of a match where everything but the football seemed um, important on that day. Uh, and obviously there's massive news around Liverpool this week uh, to do with you know the, the findings for the 9-6, which is fantastic. Um, you know, fuck the sun. Those guys still can't seem to do that. But I don't want to make it about that. Uh, the, the more point, the, the bigger point is there's truth and justice for all those out there. Um, and if that's what they want, then that's that's what we should probably give them. Um, and so there's still a feeling around Liverpool this season that there's something yet to be done with this side, and that the team aren't really over. If you like, at this point, the problem is Sacco has been taken out by Sacco. Mm-hmm. Chan's been taken out by whatever happened against Dortmund and Origi was taken out by Funes Mori. So that's three hey, guys. Hey, Benteke's back there, Lawrence. He hey, is back. Yeah, I mean, but I'm talking about key players here, Adam. So those guys... <laughs> oh, uh, my mistake, but the, I mean, the point was that actually he's laid out a fairly good blueprint as to how uh, to lead the line there, Origi. Um, you know, Benteke at, time, at times looks a little bit like, oh, well, you're asking me to do the, the undoable here, the role that's sort of, you know, it's not me or whatever. But Origi wasn't marketed as that role when he first came to Liverpool, and yet he managed to do that quite well. So I wonder if there's sort of a blueprint there for someone like Benteke to step into, because Sturridge, you know, is not Origi, clearly. Um, very different kind of striker, looks for different kind of passes, looks for different kind of space. So if you were to start the game with someone like Benteke, which would be a doubt, so I think it will be Sturridge, mm. uh, I think, you know, there's, there's still space there for him to make an impact. I think they'll start with Sturridge, and I think they'll go with for some reason, he seems to be playing Firmino, even though he drifts crazily in and out of games. It's almost like you're playing with 10 guys sometimes. Dave, talk to me a little bit about Villarreal. I mean, Klopp, before the game, has come out and said, you know, Liverpool need to show the highest level of football. Uh, Villarreal, unbelievably strong, is how he put it. But most Liverpool fans will surely be feeling somewhat confident after they beat the favourites for the entire competition in Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, I think they've got to feel confident. But then, again, they shouldn't rule out the, the ability of this um, Villarreal side. They've done very well in La Liga this season. Um, they've got the Champions League fourth, the fourth spot in La Liga. It looks like they're going to be going uh, to the Champions League next season. They've got some decent players in there. Uh, Bruno, if you remember him, for the old days of um, Villarreal, and they had Santi Cazorla and Raquel May and that. Bruno was around that side as a young lad, and now he's finally coming to the side at defence midfield. A very good player, but... Um, you got to look at Denis Suarez on the right, uh, Barcelona youth player, uh, who's a very technically gifted forward, 11 assists, sorry, 11, six assists in the Europa League this season, top assister. And then you've got uh, Bakambu, 
um, the big striker uh, who's Such a been name, isn't it? pretty pretty decent. Um, I watched the game against uh, Sparta Prague, and he had an absolute world. He could have scored a hatful. One of his finishes was just brilliant. It was like outside the area, bottom corner, side foot. It was just a great goal. So he's going to be a big threat. And I think if he can get into that space in between Moreno and Colo Torre, if he's going to play, or Lucas whoever's going to play that centre back, he'll probably not yeah, that, that could be an issue. Then you've also got the legend that is Roberto Soldado, who has had a pretty decent season. Um, you know, playing the, the slightly deeper role to his strike partner, but they're not they're not the worst side in the world, and they've they've you know they've they've gone along well in La Liga, and they've got a decent defence. So Liverpool could struggle if they sort of go out there a bit too gung ho away. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think think Mar- Mar- is it? That's the one. That's the ticket. Mm. <laughs> Give me a cheeky bloody score prediction, mm. Norris. I'll go one all. Ooh, okay. Nice one. Take the away goal back to Anfield. Dave, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for a cheeky two goals to one to Villarreal. Ooh. But the important away goal for I Liverpool. Think, I think Liverpool would take that. Yeah, Liverpool would take that. Yeah. I think a one all is a safe bet. I, I agree with Lawrence there. I think one all is going to so finish. One all is, um, we don't need to watch the game. We'll all just agree it's one all. No, don't worry. Don't worry about it. We've called it, mate. We have called it. Um, we probably should talk a little bit about Hillsborough, Lawrence. I mean, you mentioned it there. There was obviously a vigil today in Liverpool to remember the 96 football fans who tragically died in the 1989 Hillsborough disaster. <laughs> now, this was a day after the inquests into the tragedy. Yes, they concluded the victims were unlawfully killed. Now, if you're not fully aware of what happened at Hillsborough, you want some more context about what is the, the biggest tragedy in, in British sporting history, I will leave a link uh, in the description of this show to a fantastic report by David Conn in The Guardian. Very detailed account about not only the, the police negligence leading up to the, the tragedy, but also about how the, the police force tried to, to cover up and hide the truth for essentially almost three decades now. So 20, definitely, yeah, years, yeah. yeah, definitely go and check that out. Um, of course, incredibly moving to read that, but also some very shocking and astounding uh, revelations in there, which is definitely worth a read. But after 27 years, Lawrence, he said there, the justice is finally there. People are now calling for accountability, perhaps is the next step. Yeah, I mean, ju- justice is, there's an element of justice in there. I think that, you know, there's a lot of different facets to the story. Uh, David Conn does do a really good job of um, talking about those. There's a very satisfying story from Kenny Dalglish that I think he told, told on TalkSport and I used in a documentary a few years ago. Um, unfortunately, it's an interview with uh, Keys and Gray. But uh, the, what he did say was that on the day after, Kelvin McKenzie called uh, Liverpool and um, basically said to Kenny's secretary, look, let me talk to him. I, I want to work out how we can make this right. And he put, so she, she called him and Kenny said, I don't want to talk to him. And she said, you know, he's, he's asking, he's, you know, pretty much begging to talk. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. So he talks to me, he says, what can we do to make this right? And he says, same type, same photo, same everything on the front. All you got to do is put, we lied. And he says, I can't do that. And he says, and I can't help you. And he put the phone down on him. And ever since that, I think what we forget as a football fan, you know, and I think Kenny Dalglish makes great, you know, if, I know that the whole Suarez thing really tainted what Kenny Dalglish, Dalglish did for, for football in the modern age. But there was also, there's a huge part of that man who did 
like even now just talking about it, it is something which is sends tingles down your spine how powerful and how much he did at that time for the club you know the only important thing here is the people who were lost and the families and what they lost on that day and the way that they didn't need to and you know the the big you know fans can chant at each other but I think what those fans forget and especially you know when we get into European matches and the United fans were chanting and other fans were chanting those sorts of things those families still go to the game and they're still painful memories it really linked into that club. It's all well and good singing about whatever, but there are people who actually lost people who still go to that club because that club stuck by them for 27 years ever since and been there for them whenever they needed them. Mm. And there's something really touching about that. that is, it's nothing to do with, we could do this as a PR move, we can make ourselves up better, we have to do this. It was literally that Kenny Dalglish made that club into a family in that time. He went to practically every funeral that you could get to. I, don't, I think that some of them were all at the same time, so we couldn't go to them all. But it was just, it's harrowing, and it still sits over the city now. I know people say, you know, disparaging things about Liverpool, sitting on grief and all those kind of things, and living in the past. But just for a second, you know, it doesn't matter who you support, or what you think about other things that those fans have done. For the 96, you know, like yesterday was a massive thing, because I think they were looking for public recognition. And, you know, for people from Liverpool, it's really important. Um, And Mm. for me, it should also be important for football fans because there are other things that are linked to that. You know, like brotherhood within the game, uh, basically making sure that everyone's safe in a football ground. And, uh, you know, also making sure that the general public are not lied about. I mean, I think that's what I find the biggest problem with people revelling in it is, you know, it, it was lies. And they still yeah. don't, they, you know, even now it's still hard to talk about, I think, for a lot of people. And that's sat over a lot of people. Mm. Um, so hopefully, I don't think it's brought an end to a lot of the terrible stuff that goes on between some of the fans. But I think it's certainly has brought an end to it for, for the families and brought close to it. So there's something amazing about that, really. Yeah, there is some, like you say, I think that the verdicts before were sort of about how it was accidental death. There was no real culpability about who's, who was responsible for this tragedy, tragedy, and of course now uh, the verdict of unlawful killing means the, the the blame lies squarely at the feet of the police. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Which is something that, you know, these families have been trying to, to prove almost for, as I said, three decades. The, the thing you bring up there about the sun is interesting because, of course, 
famously the sun reported the truth um which of course we all know uh, were lies about the fans sort of being drunk and being uh, and, violent and, and beating and up policemen and stopping them yeah. from reviving people and it, yeah and it was bizarre like it made no sense yeah and you know you refer to to kelvin mckenzie though who's obviously the former editor of the sun the weird or i'm the, just gonna put it out there so, that man is that man is a cunt yeah i mean yeah. that's uh, that man that's that man is, that man is a that man is um, a, he's the embodiment of everything that's wrong with society but there was even further controversy uh, i think it was today actually where of course, across every newspaper front page in Britain, it was all about Hillsborough and the, the justice for 96. Conspicuously missing from the front page of The Sun was any mention of the of the verdict from the inquest. And of, as well, ten, Times. It got page 10. And The Times as well, which is the, the sister newspaper of The Sun, also owned by News International. Now, if you think, which there's, just not seems... there, if you think there's not a problem there, uh, so, then you've got a real uh, issue. Uh, the, the Times one, uh, just to clarify, just to clarify, I think that was the first edition that they had. So they the second edition before. did. The second edition did have it on the front page. Yeah. So I think it was that the first edition was published before the verdict was actually get, given, and then then the second edition did have it on the front page. Yeah. So the, the, but the issue the issue is still that actually, um, yeah. I mean, essentially, it, we know they're both Murdoch papers. Um, it's an institutional problem. That Conservative government was so in with Murdoch at that time. You know, I mean, Margaret Thatcher, another disgusting individual. Both of those people made sure that the truth wasn't allowed out. And it's not only the newspapers, but it's also the the government that stopped it at that time. And that's why, you know, the irony of David Cameron apologising to those families is massive because no one wants an apology from David Cameron they want something uh, done in the first place the government and the institutions surrounding it has massively let those families down and, the, and just fans in general like not just Liverpool fans all fans were let down on that day because they had a, another agenda was that they didn't they hated the working classes they hated what those people represented and this was a really good opportunity for them and Murdoch struck at the right time and unfortunately he's built upon that and built on a culture of fear and you know as much as i you know think sky sports is a decent network it's still run by that guy and he's basically put a stranglehold in english football and it's it's a worse place for having rupert murdoch around here's a st- even you know take that that front page in isolation though. it's such a strange decision when they are obviously fully aware of the the, the situation and the whole controversy surrounding the sun to not that, that was almost a chance to get some small shred of, of respectability i mean to, you know i mean what i feel sorry for again is the people who work for the sun who don't agree i mean you know obviously ideally people who disagree with what the sun do wouldn't work with them but and even on the times i saw uh, yeah. rory smith who is a times journalist questioning the decision not to put that on the front page. That's rightly so. Journalists should be allowed to do that. Like, ju- that's exactly what journalism that the, you know, is. The, the journalists in the Times were, were baffled by the fact it was on the front page, even if it was a first edition. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what is that is what is interesting. Is it sort of uh, even if it wasn't, <laughs> even if it wasn't on the first edition or whatever, you'd still question why it wasn't on the first edition. I know that mm. I know the news hadn't come out yet, but then you'd still even say, well, you know, surely the editors knew that was coming. So surely there's some sort of, okay, well, we can write something very quickly for this. Do you know what I mean? Mm, very strange one. But make any sense. at the very least, definitely go and check out um, David Conn's article because it's a fascinating, uh, very moving read. 
And at least there is now uh, the beginnings, at least, of justice, obviously, for the 96 people who tragically lost their lives. I think I've actually, um, I also have the audio part of the documentary that I made a few years ago. I'm not trying to plug my own work for this. I'm just saying it, it's sort of... Uh, it reads on the 96 names and sort of gives an account of what was going on at that time from Bruce Grobelar, Kenny Douglas, and a couple of other people. And I think that's on SoundCloud, so I'll put that in the link uh, in the description below as well. It's probably Please worth do. listening to. Please do. Um, also on Liverpool, I mean, um, we mentioned it earlier about how Sacco is going to be missing uh, yeah. from tomorrow night's game at Villarreal. Mm-hmm. He has decided not to challenge the result of his failed drug tests. Still don't know he is now means. facing a lengthy ban from football. Uh, could miss Euro 2016 as well, which is extremely likely. It could, yeah. It could if he gets a six-month mm-hmm. ban. I mean, <laughs> it does add up. But again, it's... It's a weird one. I mean, we did mention it briefly on Sunday uh, about how there is this sort of this spectre of perhaps a big revelation coming out about drugs in football. And there does seem to be a notion of the game almost burying his head in the sand. It does feel like this could be the first of many cases that come out, even if it's not a case of performance enhancing drugs, but it is, as is suspected, uh, a fat-burning substance. Was, Again, we don't, uh, we don't. That's the point. Is it's all speculation at this point? So it mm. sort of gives people really great salacious headlines, which is, you know, uh, it, what was it? Uh, you know, was he how how badly was he cheating? Was it an amphetamine? Those kind of things. Um, and then obviously it gives people the right to speculate over Brendan Rodgers and treatment of players mm. and all those kind of things and how desperate he was to get back into the team. The the, the news going around is that he did turn up for, for preseason overweight. And Liverpool weren't happy, and you know, the, the the term I heard used was pressured him to lose weight. Now, of course, that doesn't give any excuse for Sacco to go and uh, use substances which perhaps he shouldn't be using, or, or or certain supplements. But either way, he could be facing a six-month ban. Another player who is facing a ban, Dave, is Deli Ali, whose season could be over, facing a free-game ban for violent conduct after he gave Claudio Jakob of West Brom uh, a little. A little punch in the old, in the old stomach. A little on punch in the old stomach. A little, just a friendly punch, you know. One of them. Gets him out of the game. He's ruined it. Yeah. He's, he's got that him. edge. He's going to get a red life. card. Ban him. Ban him. <laughs> no. If you watch the game, Claudio Jakob had been giving him an absolute beating. Keeping him all game. He'd hacked him down about four times. And if Deli Ali wants to give him a little dig in the stomach and he got caught, then he does the time. But don't say that he's got to get rid of his edge. Because the thing is, you get get rid of his player's edge that's the game gone we've seen where he really loses edge and he's no longer explosive he's got like, he hasn't got that anger anymore that he used to, oh, have, used to drive him forward so, yeah, yeah but Dave, I mean, Dave yeah no I disagree I mean no, don't don't, yeah, don't combine that edge with hitting someone I think you know you can remain on the edge or whatever no I definitely I would have done that if someone like that sorry <laughs> Cardio Jacob right if he, was, if he was giving me a bit of a beating right I, I, I see him coming into the box a little cheeky cheeky dig to the stomach yeah of course Gamesmanship, Lawrence. Gamesmanship. Simeone would have Simeone would have been well happy if I'd done that. Would have given me an extra contract, new contract, mate. <laughs> yeah, Simeone is on the sideline going, listen, if all of you don't come off with yellow cards in this leg, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> he You're is, out, lads. You're bloody out. I think I sort of have to side with Lawrence. Even though he's 20 years old and he, he's young and tempestuous, punching someone is crossing. Adam, I thought we were in this together. As much as I like Deli Ali, he's, he's, he's a... I thought we were in this mentality. relationship together. He... 
could be facing a free game ban, though, which means the season is over, which some people are saying ends any sort of slim hopes that Tottenham had of getting back into the title race. Of course, they drew with West Brom at White Hart Lane on Monday night with many people now uh, coming to the conclusion that Leicester are indeed going to win the title. They could, in fact, win it on Sunday at Old Trafford if they beat Manchester United, Dave. And Manchester United's side, who are unbeaten in how many games? 75,000. Jesus. No, probably more about three or four games. Wow. I'll tell you what, I, I, hope, I, I hope that they do not win the league at, Man United, at Old Trafford. That would be terrible. I'd be really upset about that. First, first Ruben Van Nistelrooy's record gets crushed by Jamie Vardy. Then Jamie Vardy has the cheek of it to win the title at Ruben Van Nistelrooy's old yeah, stomping Jamie, ground. Jamie Vardy definitely, definitely won't surely. be one of the ones winning it, surely. Because he's I hope he comes on. If they do, I, do, I hope he does a John Terry and comes onto the pitch, full kit, shimpy. That's what I mean, he will do. 100% going to do that, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, so. Dave, Dave the, the thing is, you have ruined quite a bit this season, as Manchester United ruined quite a bit this season. I mean, they, they were the ones that relegated Aston Villa. Will they be um, <laughs> another... Will, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, Louis, I mean, you know, Louis Van hardly good at a party, is he? He has to tell people to applaud things. So, you know, it, it, you know he's, it is possible... That United here could still win, but then if Spurs drop points the next day, they could still be winning the league. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? It's uh, I've got a feeling they're going to do it. I've got a feeling. Yeah, do you, little, I've, little got, I've got a feeling it's going to be a draw. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Van Gaal's party poopers strike again. <laughs> Just shuts it down. Um, <laughs> like, like a, a very in the very similar vein to the way that um, your man at West Brom did. Adam. Mm, good yeah. old King Tony. Good old Tone. Yeah, yeah, he was he was upset. That was, was like, upset. that was upsetting, wasn't it? That, yeah. Uh, I mean, Leicester deserved to win the title. In my opinion, I think Spurs. In my opinion, Spurs are the best team in England in terms of, you know. Arguably, we've played the best football. You know, we scored the most goals, conceded the fewest goals. But when the, the, the when one key stat is that you're not top of the league, yeah. I'm, when it comes down to it, the crucial games, we haven't performed. And I think you know, losing to Leicester at home, uh, dropping points when we were two 0 up against Stoke, losing to Newcastle, dropping points when we were two one up against Arsenal. I think we've dropped too many points at home, and we haven't taken those chances. Uh, unfortunately. I think Leicester have really. You know, they might. You know, they, they had those four or five one nils in a row. They may not be playing the the sparkling champagne football, but I think they deserve it essentially. And if they win at Old Trafford, which I hope they do, then I don't think you'd be too annoyed because they deserve to win the league. Um, moving on, I did want to talk a little bit about Luis Suarez once again. Now we were speaking on the weekend about how Jamie Carragher believes not only Luis Suarez was Arsenal Wenger's biggest mistake as Arsenal manager. And if he had signed him, they would have won at le- they would have won at least two league titles. Now, I found a very interesting article on Reddit Soccer about chance oh. conversion, Dave. Oh yeah, about statistics, mate. It's right up your street. I'm just going to mute oh, yeah. my channel. I'll let you two get down to this. <clears throat> and essentially, what he is talking about is that Arsenal's failings this season, or one of the main failings, has been chance conversion. Now, he's arguing that. You know, Giroud has a 13% conversion rate. Poor. Uh, he's not, not been cut, cut in the mustard. Sanchez, 17. Respectable from the wing, of course. Walcott, yeah. 11. Ramsey, 7. 7%. He's 
He's taken 68 shots a goal this season, and his conversion rate is only 7%. He's never when been famous Luis... for a good conversion rate, though, has he, is Ramsey? When you look at Luis Suarez, this article is saying, 26% of the time, this guy scores. And he, so, I think, posits that if he was on the end of every one of those Urzil chances that Giroud have missed, he would have racked up quite a few goals, Dave. And Arsenal may have won the league with a record tally. Yeah, but he, he may have also gone downhill and not played very well for them in that time. I mean, that is the the, the unfathomable nature of these hypotheticals. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting nonetheless that we were talking about it just a few days ago about Suarez, you know, what if they'd have bought him? And this is a statistical look at that situation, not based, although it is somewhat based on hypotheticals, he's got some Somewhat. Stat. It's based completely on the idea that Luis Suarez playing up front for Arsenal is going to get as many goals as uh, him playing well, up front for some, some sort of fact as opposed to just, oh, what if Suarez played for Arsenal? Yeah, he'd probably do all right, actually. So I think well, Suarez's yeah. chance conversion was around 33% in his last two seasons in the Premier League, so it could have been even better. So Arsenal could have won the league by even more points. That's, that's, that's science, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, fact that. Mm-hmm. Might as well fact. give him the trophy. Let's go to the Arsenal ground tomorrow and hand them the Premier League trophy. I understand what you're saying, though. You know, you, you can say Suarez has converted 26% of his chances this season. There's nothing to say that would have happened to Arsenal. There's a whole uh, infinite uh, number of variables which would change that, that percentage. Dave? Lawrence. Well, Lawrence. I mean, well, yeah, there's an, yeah, there are an infinite number of variables. I mean... It's interesting to hear your counter-argument to this. I find that interesting. What, well, my counter-argument is that not all chances are the same. You can't grade them all in the same way. And the way that they create chances of Suarez are that they put him in positions where he can score. I know he's got a fantastic finish on him. I know he scored, he scored some great goals this season. But at the same time, Barcelona are putting him into those positions. I know that he's, he, he's pretty much just correlating that because Ozil creates chances, therefore he will create chances for Luis Suarez. Mm. Which is, I mean, there's a possibility that's the case. But at the same time, I think he's also then taken out all of the sort of human factors, which is basically that the reason Suarez has calmed down, etc., is because he's at an institution which has calmed him. I think he's still mental. He's just not cracked recently. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's calmed down. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's not crazy. I'm just saying he's calmed down. He didn't at Liverpool, wasn't it? A year and a half where he didn't do anything stupid, and then he did some stupid shit. Yeah. Do you think at the very least? Do you think at the very least, though, Lawrence, that you know, uh, as we say, this is there's so many variables. And it's, it's almost arbitrary doing this, but it at the very least shows where Arsenal's problem is. The chance conversion is so low for those oh, key players. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, th- I think especially, I, I, do, I do feel like people are very harsh on the players. You know, there's a conversation, I think, on one Arsenal uh, channel, I can't remember which one it was, where they were basically saying every time a player misses or every time the, there's a mistake made, the way that the fans react tends to be so negative. That's just years of frustration built up to this point now where it feels like it's all coming to a head. But, what, but where... I, and I agree, but at the same time, I also feel like it's all relative. So, you know, the Ramble was saying the other day, there's a relativity to the way that United are failing because failing mm. to go into fourth and winning in the <laughs> FA Cup is a That's different true. kind of failing to the way that they were comparing them with, you know, the likes of Coventry who haven't finished mm. in the top six for 47 years, like everyone's bloody saying, or 46 years. Either way, a long time. So there's a lot of clubs out there that don't even have that option, you know? It's not like 
you know, what I understand that it becomes quite boring, it becomes quite monotonous, but it's almost like, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Um, I agree in some way, but I think it's got, it's a two-way street. It takes two to tango, Lawrence. The fans need to be given something to cheer. You know, look at Liverpool. How many times has it been, how many years has it been since you won the title? But they're trying to make changes to, they're trying to make changes to, get Liverpool to where they believe they, they deserve to be. But the point, and, but, and, and, and I, I agree with what I agree, and I agree with, all. yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but then you'd also say that there's, um, you, I, you know, I understand there's key things that need to change at that club, but I also think that there's off the field things that uh, maybe are a problem as well. I mean, you know, the, the debate over Gazidis and um, Wenger, then there's also the way that the fans treat the players as well. It is partly just that the fans seem to mistrust Wenger and I think maybe you're what you're basically alluding to is it's a time for a change of coaching staff and a change in tactics or a change of striker maybe well I, I'd, I'd probably go for a change in coaching staff and see where that goes yeah I mean it looks like he's going to be I think his contract expires if I'm not wrong at the end of next season uh, and I don't see how Wenger's going to uh, you know fall on his sword say this summer so I think he will be there for at least another year It'll be interesting to see what their recruitment policy is like. Speaking of which, let's finish off with a little bit of transfer news because there's been some juicy, uh, juicy gossip floating around, Dave. Ooh. Not least of which, Mats Hummels is on his way back to Bayern Munich by the looks of it. Uh, he's apparently requested a transfer now. It looked like he, he, he might be leaving, might be going to Barcelona or come to the Premier League. But now Bayern Munich, of all teams. Uh, we did mention it on Sunday, going back to the, you know, uh, another Dortmund player going to the rivals. It's just... Yeah, it's sad again. It's the rumours. Oh, yeah, but the, Bayern, the, the Dortmund fans absolutely hate Mario Goetze after the way he left. You know, uh, signing before the uh, final of the Champions League, obviously, with the two great clubs playing each other. What was the semi-final, sorry? Which could have put them off massively. And it, it's just a bit... I don't know, it feels a bit like he's let them down in a way. Um, Hummels did go come through the Bayern Academy and, and so forth, but he's been this the leader of this this Borussia Dortmund team for a number of years now. It just feels like, why? Why not do that? You know, you've seen all these other players do that and break break the bond with the, these wonderful fans. There's just another player doing that. Just again, it's it a bit seem, upsetting. He is, especially when I think when he was linked to Manchester United, there were quotes coming oh, from yeah. Hummels to, to the effect of, you know, he, he doesn't want to like you say, break that special relationship with fans. He wants to do it now, though, apparently. So, uh, he's <laughs> Bayern Munich. Um, another juicy rumour, this is also concerning Bayern Munich, Arturo Vidal to Chelsea. This one is in the Metro. Uh, apparently, there, there's, there's been some talks between the club and, and of Vidal's agent. Although, apparently, just moved he to come out in the press just the other day and say, I would never want to leave this club. I want to retire here. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty emphatic. Like somebody's that. somebody's um, just been going through Conte's notes of when he when he joined Juventus. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure this one has been. You know, there's there's that quote you've attributed to Vidal there. He only went to Bayern at the start of last season, start of this season, I should say. I mean, I know Guardiola leaving might you know throw question marks over the future of some players at Bayern Munich, but still. It's difficult to see him moving to Chelsea, especially when maybe they're already signing uh, Raja Nainggolan from Roma. It doesn't quite add up, I don't think. Yeah, I think it would be unusual. Um, I also think you know there's there's still a long way to go for him um, at Bayern. Although I'd say you know he didn't have the best of games 
uh, tonight against Atletico Madrid. Well, I thought he was brilliant, Vidal. I didn't thought he had a really, really was... combative game. Yeah, I, I think he was pushed a little bit too far forward um, in the second half. I thought that was a bit of another tactical mistake from Guardiola, was he was trying to get Vidal in the box more. But what Vidal was doing so well in the first half was distributing from midfield and then getting into the box. He was just his starting position was a lot was too high in the second half, and again kind of broke up Bayern's rhythm and effectiveness in the final third. But I thought he was combative. That's I think that's the brilliant thing about Vidal is he gets around people and he gets stuck into them. That's what he um, needed pretty to, much, yeah. to suit Chelsea then, Dave. Yeah, definitely it would sort of suit Chelsea down to a T. It would suit the Premier League of how you know energetic and how he can press and so forth. And again, it suit Atletico Madrid. You could see Vidal interchanging with any one of those uh, four midfield players and, and fitting in perfectly. So could be an interesting summer for Vidal, but I imagine Ancelotti's going to have his w- way of words with him, and he'll stay for another three seasons and retire, like Lauren said, at Bayern Munich. Finally, I want to talk a little bit about Christian Pulisic. Uh, ranked as one of the most promising young players to ever come through the United States. Playing for Borussia Dortmund at the moment, Dave. All the rumours about this kid. He's apparently on his way to either Liverpool. He's on his way to Real Madrid. He's on his way way out of Borussia Dortmund, apparently. (laughs) Straight out. 17 years old. Played a handful of games. Scored a goal in the Bundesliga. And he's gone. Come on. Is, come is this all unnecessary hype? Is this all unnecessary hype? Unnecessary bollocks from the media again. But anyway, let's, let's discuss it. Where would he fit best? <laughs> Go on then, Dave. Where would he fit best? Talk to me about the player then. He's a sort of a wide player that can play on the right, play on the left. He's got a great goal scoring record at the under 19s level. Um, his assists and goals a season, I think they were even like above the 20s in, the, in that, um, obviously that category. But he's, he's come onto the scene, um, you know, he's picked up quite a few appearances for Dortmund um, when they've been in the Europa League. Obviously, they concentrate on that, so they play the younger players at the weekend. He's, he's a nice player, he's a nice ball player, he's, he's got a decent touch on him. He's quite small, he's quite slight, uh, decent dribble, got a low, it's quite a little, he reminds me a little bit of Mario Goetze. Um, with how he is on the ball, um, and you know, give the lad time. He's 17. Yeah, he could flop. He could be the best player in the world. But you know, a move for him now would be just suicidal. And I think that he likes Dortmund, and he's grown up there, and and so forth. So why would you leave? He's the youngest under- player in Bundesliga history to score two league goals in exactly. one game. I assume. Um, Good. So that's where all the hype is coming from. That's where all the rumours are coming from. Mad rumours. Anyway, that brings an end to this week's Front 3 podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've had a great time. Have you had a great time, Lawrence? I did, I did enjoy it. The Champions League this week has been a decent start. I feel satisfied at the end of it. Cagey, I thought. A bit cagey. Cagey, yeah, as they oh. say in Europe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as they say nowhere. Um, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Have a good time today. Yeah, I want to leave us um, on one note, something I tweeted post-game. Um, Gary Lineker mm-hmm. saying, Atletico are like the Spanish Leicester City. Didn't they get to the Champions League final recently? Well, you know, I want to leave that with, with Gary, that he's making silly, silly assessments on European football again. I got a cracking response. I think the fellow might have deleted it, actually. Oh, it oh, might be. Oh, no, here we go. Okay, <laughs> here we go. So, the response from Vintage Simeone, Gary Lineker is a crisp shagging cunt. Oh, And then another reply, Gary Lineker also shags crisps. 
So, you know, it obviously pissed this fella off, uh, but, you know, yeah. it was a I mean, what rather is, amusing what response. Uh, do you think it's a bit unusual to call someone a crisp shagger? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be, one, unusual, difficult, yeah. one, very unusual, and... Um, and very painful. Pretty, pretty damn insulting, yeah, very painful. Before we go, I want to give comment of the week this week to Munjo98, who left us an iTunes review. He called it his front free journey. From oh, Football good. Daily to the start of the Football Republic to a year of the front three podcast, I'm glad to say I've been through this journey of great footballing opinions and actual entertaining football talk. What a great year. I hope for an even better one next year. Thank you very much, Munja98. You are comment of the week. Guys, if you want to leave us a review and be in with a chance of being comment of the week yourself, get on your podcast app, preferably iTunes, rate it five stars, preferably, uh, and write a little uh, review for us. It'll be much appreciated. Until the weekend, Lawrence, where can the good people find you on Twitter? Uh, Lawrence L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. Dave? Uh, D-A-V-E-T-A-L-K-S on the Twitter is that your is that your Twitter handle now have you changed it no that's Dave Talks on YouTube sorry fuck lads yeah bottled it sorry YouTube on guys YouTube ignore everything Dave has said yeah just ignore me <laughs> you uh, can it's alright they've been practicing for an hour Biltwood or you can go on YouTube to the Football Republic I'm there Lawrence is there Dave's there we're all having a great time until the weekend have a great Thursday and Friday <laughs> enjoy yourselves Bye. Bye. Dave, bye. See hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah. Bye. 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 